The Chicago Bears fall to the Green Bay Packers 24-14 in a game that feels all too familiar. I bring on WCG's own lead draft analyst, Jacob Infante, to talk through the game's ups and downs on this episode of Bear With Me. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And today, I come to you, I wouldn't say hat in hand, but, you know, head bowed a little bit with Jacob Infante after the Bears lose once again to the Green Bay Packers. I believe this makes Aaron Rodgers, and somebody fact-check me on this, 22-5 and against the Bears, which is never fun, and yet, Jacob, it was so familiar, I almost forgot to get really upset about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's at a certain point, we just kind of get numb to it. I mean, sure, it sucks, but, like, we've been through this song and dance for however, like, 13 years now, I guess it is, that Aaron Rodgers has been starting at quarterback for the Packers, and it just seems like every single time, uh, we keep getting into the same cycle and over and over again. So, I mean, sure, it stings a little, but I'm not enraged. I wouldn't consider myself upset. I'm just kind of defeated at this point. And that's that's a great way to put it. Just defeated, you know? Because, I mean, for crying out loud, Aaron Rodgers sitting there at the end of the game, running into the end zone, yelling, I own you. And oh, I'm, I'm shrugging my shoulders, like half burned up inside and half like, well, he does. I mean, it's yeah. the worst part. The worst part is when a guy his age can so dominate a team and just end up flat out right. I mean, this, we, we got some fields roller coaster we can talk through. It's legitimately hard to tell whether the defense played well because on one hand, they held the Packers to 24 points. And on the other, Aaron Rodgers was 17 for 23 with eight and a half yards per attempt. The Packers ran the ball at five yards per carry. Like, it's not as if their metrics were good, but they got good big plays at the right time that seemed to hold the point total down, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's kind of what's rough about this whole thing is I wouldn't even say the Packers played incredibly well. I just feel like they got they got a couple lucky breaks every once in a while. Uh, uh, I don't want to be that guy that blames this entire loss on the refs because that simply isn't true. I mean, if you're scoring 14 points, you're not going to be able to beat Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, some things did go the Packers' way. Uh, on both sides, honestly, the refs didn't really have a great game. But all told, I think that the Bears' offense just wasn't really all that efficient. And that's what it came down to uh, for one reason or another. And when you're going up against a team with Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback, that's not really sustainable. And it's it sucks because I feel like there can be a lot more out of this Bears team. It's a talented roster with some talented players. It's just a matter of execution. And in some cases, a matter of effort. In some cases, a matter of intelligence. And in some cases, just... Well, more so in the case of Mario Edwards, just getting your crap together and get, having your head on straight. But I, I don't want to rag on him too much. It's just that... You know, at this point, we've come to see, you know, a couple of boneheaded moves on his end. But that's my long-winded way of saying, yeah, honestly, this honestly could have gone a lot better. Not a game that – I mean, it's a game they probably should have lost. But at the same time, not like the Packers were anything to shout home about either. No, I – 
I hear you. I mean, I think the complicated part about all this stuff, like, let's start with the officiating. Because I've heard a lot of conversation on the timeline right now about the officiating, you know? We could talk through Justin Fields' first drive, where I personally thought that uh, or that Justin Fields looked great. And then we get to a play where it's... A lot of people are saying it's a missed offsides call. And Jacob, I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing. This is the haziest play in football right now where the defense effectively commits a false start. And sometimes they call that offsides. Like I remember Akeem Hicks got flagged for this, what, last year in a big game. It escapes me which game it was. I just remember that same flinch where the defender never went actually across the line, drew an offsides call. And here in this game, the two clearly jumped. Justin Fields clearly thought it was a free play, and it did not get called, leading to a nasty end zone interception. I don't know. This this is one of those calls that, honestly, if the NFL issued some kind of a statement like, we're going to clean up what offsides even is, I wouldn't blame them. Because this has just gotten to the point where, can the defense flinch? Are they not allowed to flinch? What is offsides at this point? Because as soon as you think you know what it is, a play like this technically doesn't fit the definition of offsides, but you've seen it called so many times that, I don't know, that it felt like robbery as a Bears fan, but trying to be objective, I guess I see where the refs are coming. I don't know. Talk me off my ledge. Put some, put some sense in this. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm going to do a great job of that. I'm, I'm honestly kind of in the same boat. I feel like uh, from just a rules perspective that defensive line flinching isn't necessarily fair. I mean, I feel like, sure, an offensive lineman should be able to know the snap count and you know the cadence and all that stuff, but I also feel like at the same time that those kind of flinches can disrupt a play and I feel like there's just something about it that I don't really think should be a crucial part of the game, I guess you could say. Uh, whether it was offsides, I think it was close uh, because, like, I'm literally, I tweeted out the replay and, like, of course, immediately I thought it was absolutely offsides. Now I'm not 100% sure. I think that you could still make a, an argument that it would be. You know, just from the naked eye perspective, not having that advanced instant replay that, you know, an NFL ref might have. But regardless, it's clear that Fields thought that it was just a throwaway play that, you know, it, the play was going to be called back for one reason or another. And that's when the pick came. Uh, I don't know. I, we can get into some Justin Fields, and I'm sure we obviously will. Let's do it. You want to? Lead it off. What did you All think? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't necessarily blame him that much for that throw because I think that most quarterbacks would think that that's a free play for them. But just generally, I do feel like Justin Fields, let's be honest, he looked like a rookie today. And you can uh, put a lot of blame uh, in a lot of different areas for this Bears offense, whether it's the coaching, the offensive line, uh, or what have you, but I do think Justin Fields has a couple of issues in his game where he can definitely improve. Uh, one of them, I think, is holding on to the ball too long, and I know that I talked a little bit about that in the Browns game. Obviously, it's different because the offensive line was getting decimated at a rare rate, 
And it, it wasn't to that extent against Green Bay here. But even then, I feel like if he rolls out to avoid pressure, uh, he can work on throwing it away or he can, you know, work on quickening his uh, processing. Like he, he got sacked four times. I don't, I'm sure I'd have to go back and look at the tape, but I can guarantee that, you know, at least one or two of those times, he had an opportunity to throw the ball away or he had a check down target and he just held on to the ball for too long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's something he'll need to clean up. And I tweeted earlier at the beginning of the game that I liked the Bears airing the ball out with Justin Fields. And let me just say, I do like a more vertical offense than what the Bears have run in recent years. But at the same time, man, like some of the throws that Justin Fields pulled off were just very confusing to me. (laughs) Like that one, I don't remember who picked it off. I don't think it was called. It wasn't called for an interception. Was it the Amos one where he ended up stepping out of bounds? Yeah, yeah, it was that one. It seemed like there was some sort of miscommunication with him and A-Rob. So, you know, from my own perspective, I can't really tell exactly who's to blame there. But that's just not a great look to be, you know, forcing those throws and just playing with what seems like a lack of patience, I guess. And don't get me wrong, he's shown flashes of being able to do those full field reads and look off his first read, but it's not necessarily consistent enough to the point where I think he can hang with some of these NFL top defenses. And the funny thing is that's not even to say that the Packers are a top defense because they're down Jair Alexander, who's their best defender. Uh, And they also have Kevin King, who's not great, but I mean, he's a step up from what they have at corner outside of him. Uh, But I'll wrap up my little spiel here because I know I'm going on for a while. It's okay. Yeah, just because there's a lot on my mind. And I I, I get accused sometimes of being a Justin Fields apologist. And this is basically my way of saying, yeah, you know, I, I like him. I like him a lot as a player, as a prospect, as a leader of this franchise. But he's got some work to do. And that's fine. He's a rookie. You know, they're going to have those mistakes in their first year in the NFL. That's totally normal. So it's just a matter of tempering those expectations. To exact point, Jacob, I mean, what drives me wild right now is it feels as if for some reason people are expecting all of these rookies to get graded as if they're full-fledged four-year NFL quarterbacks. And I think that's ridiculous. I mean, for as much as I like to rag on, rag on Zach Wilson sometimes, he's a rookie, Mac Jones is a rookie, Trevor Lawrence is a rookie, Trey Lance is a rookie, and, and if you're seeing what I'm seeing, Jacob, all of them look like it right now. I mean, if I was to make a comparison, because I know the White Sox season just ended, and so there are a lot of Chicago fans that have baseball on the brain, I feel like Justin Fields looks like an MLB hitter that's hitting somewhere around 180 to 200, so a batting average that's too low with too many strikeouts, but his slugging percentage is really good, especially considering how rarely he's hitting the ball. I mean, I don't know. I hope that lands, but the the plays Fields makes are often so good 
and so pure and so hard to find a quarterback that can pull them off that when you then see him take a nasty sack on third and 15 where it didn't seem as if the Bears gave him a viable check down route. So when he took that backside pressure on what looked like it otherwise would have been an open dagger concept and he got flushed out of the pocket, should he have still hung in there? I don't know. It's legitimately hard to say because it looks pretty bang bang on whether he should have felt pressure and gotten out of the pocket versus should have just hung in there and getting gotten lit up as he threw the ball. Either way, there were some plays like the rollout that Fields had where he took a play that had nothing going for it, rolled out to his left, found A-Rob on, near the end of the game and basically kickstarted a touchdown drive. Like all of it's just so up and down. When people talk about the rookie roller coaster, if you saw what I saw, Jacob, this was that game. This was a roller coaster where Fields looked like everything he was supposed to be and like everything that would scare you all in one contest. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly, honestly. It was a roller coaster. Uh, there were definitely ups, definitely downs. And uh, listen, I, I don't like to bring up Mitchell Trubisky because that era has come and gone. But. Uh, Just to compare him to Justin Fields for a second here, I do think that the highs with Fields are more consistent in that they come more often in a game. And his his ability to make some of the throws that Fields has made is, you know, it's been impressive. He's been able to stretch the field at times, uh, hit throws reliably on, you know, along the sideline and, He's a very good athlete too, so it's not like he's not making plays because he definitely is. But again, it's a matter of that consistency. I think decision-making has been his biggest weakness so far. I mean, it's not like he's been super inaccurate by any means. He's been pretty reliable and you know placing passes pretty well. It's just a matter of whether he's forcing throws or holding onto the ball too long. Uh, and again, that's okay. He's a rookie. Like you mentioned, every other rookie quarterback in the NFL right now looks like a rookie, mm-hmm. you know, and that's to be expected. Just because Justin Herbert had an incredible rookie year doesn't mean that every quarterback in this class is going to look like Justin Herbert in year one. You know, that's just simply unheard of. Oh, yeah. So, and- yeah. So what the Bears need to figure out right now is they need to be patient with him, at least going forward this year, and realize that, okay – those ebbs and flows are going to come and they need to accept that because you you can't expect a rookie quarterback to be perfect and you can't expect him to improve. And that's up to Justin Fields to, you know, show that linear development over the next few weeks and months. So I'm interested in seeing how things look down the stretch, but yeah, ultimately Robert, I think you summed it up perfectly. It was a roller coaster and I mean, Bears fans are certainly no stranger to roller coaster QB performances, but uh, yeah, I think that this is definitely one of those. Ugh, yeah, I mean, I think the most frustrating part about this game is that I can't help but look around this offense and wonder where the help's supposed to come from. I mean, whether it was Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, and it's mostly been Justin Fields, to be totally fair to, I don't know, any Justin Fields doubters out there, I think Fields has a huge hand in the Bears' ranking. I think it's dead last in yards per game average. They were 240 coming into this game, and with a 277 performance, which, by the way, 277 yards, Jacob, if you didn't know, is still less than the Houston Texans are averaging on a game-to-game basis. Oh, yeah. 
they're because no. they're averaging 282. <laughs> it's just yards. Yards aren't points, but yeah. it, the offense does not look good in Chicago right now. Yeah. And <laughs> outside of the occasional play, I mean, what I can't help but finding myself get frustrated by is when the guys who are supposed to be stalwarts, like Cody Whitehair, allow a very good player in Kenny Clark to beat him across their face. I mean, this Bears offensive line especially in pass protection, there's a lot of this that's on Justin Fields. I I have to start with that, or I feel like people are going to come for me. But you've got a guy like Justin Fields that we knew he likes to hang on to the ball, and we've put him behind an offensive line where that is just magnified. I mean, we said this after the Browns game. I think the collective Bears nation just cried this out. But it has been kind of ridiculous just seeing the team construction. I mean, for crying out loud, Jacob, we're about to go play Tampa Bay. We've got Baltimore on the schedule. We see Green Bay again. We're going to play the 49ers. Like, Ugh. Oh gosh! <laughs> when even our highest-paid lineman is getting beat across his face, oh man, we're we're in for a good one, aren't we? Yeah, and I want to touch on that point of him holding onto the ball too long. It it kind of reminds me of the Russell Wilson situation in Seattle, and this is not to say Justin Fields will become Russell Wilson because that's a very high bar to reach. I'm just saying that. There are some similarities in their playing style where, you know, Fields is an athletic quarterback who likes to, you know, scramble and extend the play. Wilson, especially early on in his career, uh, when he ran the ball a little bit more, he's the same, he was the same way. And those offensive lines that Russell Wilson's been behind in Seattle haven't been very good. And I think we're seeing that here in Chicago as well. Uh, I feel like yeah, Cody Whitehair didn't have a great game. I mean, he's been – serviceable this year he, he, I, i'd like to think that out of all the offensive linemen he's been the most consistent like his highs haven't been as high as say a jason peters who you know he's shown some like legit mauling ability but he also has the miles garrett game where he got decimated one-on-one against one of the top edge rushers in the league so yeah i think the offensive line absolutely is going to have to improve i think that Whenever Jermaine Effetti comes back, I think that's going to be helpful. Uh, we'll have to check on Larry Borm and Tevin Jenkins what their situation is going forward because we really haven't heard a lot about those guys. So we'll, we'll see in these coming weeks and months exactly what's going on with the rookies. But in the meantime, I do think the offensive line is kind of magnifying that aspect of Fields' game. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to extend the play and have that playmaking ability because – Let's face it, Fields is already one of the better, probably one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It's just a matter of can he determine when to get rid of the ball, whether it's throwing the ball away with scrambling out of the pocket to throw it away or identify a check down or what have you. I still feel like Fields is kind of in that mindset where it's deep ball or nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll go back if, you know, watch the tape and we'll see a couple of instances of, Justin Fields missing a progression or two, uh, finding you know an open man that he just straight up doesn't recognize. But yeah, I feel like this combination of the Bears' offensive line with Justin Fields wanting to hold on to the ball for too long, I just think that that in certain instances can be a recipe for disaster. Yep. And you talked through already Jermaine Fady, Larry Borum, and a whole bunch of these other names. I mean, 
Oh, gosh, Jacob. It's just wild to me that we're still talking. I mean, obviously we're going to until the season ends, but just the names that the Bears have in the cupboard are not super strong ones. And when you realize that most of Bears fandom is looking at a fifth-round offensive tackle from this year's draft class to be basically one of the bigger offensive line bolsters that we have in in waiting, I feel like the situation proves itself about as dire as it could get there. But... Oh, I, this this game was such a weird one overall because somebody said this in the chat just a second ago that this probably wouldn't hurt if you named the team something else that we just lost to. If it wasn't the Packers and the Packers weren't down, I think, three defensive backs, a whole bunch of offensive linemen, including their starting center, that they lost pretty much immediately. The Bears took a close ish until the very end two score loss to a five and one team and extended their standard just what is this this is just what they've done for now three years where if they play a bad team they win and the Bengals I guess at the time were a bad team that one we'll just let that sit but if they play a bad team like the Lions they win and if they play a good team they score seven points for the majority of the game so <sighs> hopefully hopefully things turn around even if even if they just I don't know I I'm kind of walking out of this one and I can't help Jacob if I was being very honest with you and taking off my optimistic cap saying the Bears had a chance here to beat a team that I don't think brought its best to the table and they blew it and I don't think the road gets easier from here you know what I mean yeah absolutely I think that this is a game the Bears definitely could have won because, you know, like we've said, the Packers didn't bring their A game, in all honesty. Like, Aaron Rodgers, you know, was solid, but the consistency of the offense was a bit hit or miss sometimes. Uh, and I feel like there were some instances where the offense could have capitalized, where they just simply didn't. Uh, but it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough these next few weeks. I mean, like you've mentioned, the Bears have, you know, a murderer's row of, like, talented defenses and just good overall teams that they're going to be going up against here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm not one to say, you know, automatically that, oh, they're facing tough teams to lose every single one because, you know, it's the NFL. Realistically, anything could happen. And there's a chance the Bears win a game they probably shouldn't, just like there's a chance they lose a game they probably shouldn't. So it's it could be interesting to see how the Bears fare against those other teams and how they adjust going forward because I think there's a lot to – uh, improve on in these coming weeks, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, defense has been solid for the most part. I mean, there were there are some times where the defense maybe necessarily didn't play up to its full potential, but I don't think that's really the main concern here. I think it's a matter of offensive efficiency uh, over a, a consistent basis. I think that's the consistency because we've seen flashes of efficiency just not coming every single week. Right. And before we flip the show over and start talking about coaching, a little more defense, and the other nooks and crannies about this game, let's close the knot on Justin Fields. Jacob, not only are you a Bears analyst, but you're also a major draft analyst. So when it does come for Bears fans that are rightfully right, saying, okay, so when are we done with the 174-yard passing games? When do we get away from the rookie roller coaster? Honestly, Jacob, like fan hat off. How long should Bears fans be expecting to wait before it gets better? And how long would you expect Bears fans need to need to wait before truly we see, quote-unquote, who he is? Does that make sense? Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, I think that that's probably not going to happen this year. I'll be honest. I think that the roller coaster is going to continue uh, throughout the next year or so. And I think there will be a couple games where Justin Fields looks like a legit franchise quarterback. I truly believe that. And, you know, he, his career high is 209 yards in the three starts, the four starts actually that he's had so far, which not very flashy. I'll, I'll just put it like that. And I don't feel like he's going to be threatening the, uh, the single season passing yards record anytime soon. Uh, I think next year is going to be an instance where we could see him take a big step. Obviously, there are a lot of different factors. Uh, who's going to be coaching this team next year? Uh, who's playing on the offensive line? Is Allen Robinson sticking around? What are they going to do there? But I think next year we'll start to see him uh, calm down a little bit. We might end up seeing a few ups and downs in year two because the whole evaluating window is by year three – are you playing well and what are you doing on a week-to-week basis uh, to determine if that was a good pick or not? So I think that the next two years, it's going to be, there are going to be some moments where you're like, what the heck are you thinking, Justin Fields? Why did you make that throw? Uh, But at the same time, I feel like as the season progresses and as we head into 2022, I'm assuming that we'll be able to see a little bit less of this roller coaster, but that's not to say that he's going to turn into an all pro in year two. I still think that there are some, you know, areas that he might struggle in a little bit, at least out of the gate next year. Makes sense. Well, you heard it from him first folks. So sounds like we may be waiting a little while, but I mean, look, my analytical opinion, I am still plenty positive. We, uh, the stake is the hardest thing to find as a rookie quarterback, but we've got the sizzle. So we just need to develop a little bit more of that stake play. Either way, we've, we've let the sponsors hang on too long. So we will let them get their word in and we'll be right back. And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm Robert Schmitz, hosting the show along with Jacob Infante, WCG's lead draft analyst and Twitter guy extraordinaire, which is not (laughs) in your bio, but you do a great job on the platform, Jacob. Verified (laughs) and everything. Like, you got it going on. But so, I feel like Jacob... After every loss, first thing the Bears fans want to do, I mean, actually, frankly, it's any NFL fan base, right? Vikings fans right now are pointing the finger at Mike Zimmer. Bears fans are pointing the finger at Matt Nagy. Let me ask you, cold, with no preparation, do you think it's warranted with Nagy? What did you think of, not necessarily like the play calling, because I think people can get too granular, but like the general decision-making flow Matt Nagy showed us today? Yeah, so I... I don't know. I feel like with Matt Nagy's situation, uh, it's a little bit tougher for an outside perspective to be able to look at, okay, what was Bill Lazor? What was Matt Nagy? At least this, you know, this week, because they say, oh, Matt, Bill Lazor is going to be calling the plays, but Matt Nagy is going to be controlling everything. Everything's going to run through him, I guess you could say. So Generally, I feel like there were instances where I could say, okay, Matt Nagy definitely could have been wiser here. Like, I think that the, uh, what was it? It was a delay of game after, uh, <laughs> after a timeout, after a challenge, something like that. It was, it was after that review. The field yeah. throws 
another lofted ball that Allen Robinson doesn't adjust to, which, you know, insert comment about not playing with the ones all preseason. But, you know, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Long review process. They come out of it. Justin Fields tries to take a timeout, which would be the only one they had, by the way. So they, either way, they, they came out confused. Yeah. They took a delay a game. That's that's the moment. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, exactly. And obviously, I don't know if there's like an official stat on this, but it feels like the <laughs> it feels like the Bears lead the league in delay of game penalties or false starts coming out of a timeout or out of a break. And it's just so infuriating because that shouldn't happen. You know, you have all that time to prepare, all that time to know. Okay, this is what the play is going to be. This is what we're going to do. But no. No, and it's happened multiple times now this year, and it's it's frustrating to say the least. And I think that that's something that leads from discipline, and that's something that um, Coach Nagy is going to have to uh, instill into this offense, which he really hasn't in his years here. So, yep. If I'm going to be completely honest, I'm looking to 2022. I started to do very minimal research on head coaching candidates next year. Uh, But, you know, that's just me. I don't know necessarily what the Bears will do, how the season's going to finish. But, yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot that that Matt Nagy can improve on. There's some stuff that Bill Lazor can improve on too. Uh, I think that the runs on second and long, definitely I think that's – something that we've seen a little bit too much of this year, no matter who's calling plays. And, you know, that's just something I feel like is going to need to uh, get phased out in this offense because th- those plays just simply aren't efficient. You're looking uh, to just pin yourself for a third and long more often than not when you're calling those plays. Oh, my gosh. So I'm seeing in the chat, by the way, that Nagy actually criticized Fields for trying to take that timeout uh, on the delay really? of game. That he said, Justin's got to know that all timeouts go through me. So, <laughs> oh. Ooh, no, <laughs> don't oh, no. like. But I think the worst part about watching this Nagy-led team right now, Jacob, is so I could talk about rhythm. I could talk about how it feels as if the Bears wanted to give the ball to Justin Fields, but they clearly didn't do a good enough job of preparing him for even simple stuff like checkdowns and whatnot because it felt like once Fields got flustered, the offense just went with it instead of committing to, I mean, for crying out loud, Jacob, they've now run two back-to-back games besides this Packers one with like a 65% run rate, and they suddenly decided to be balanced when they could have probably just gone back to the well. I don't know. Getting away from all of that, one thing that I can't stand with Matt Nagy is this two steps backwards, one step forward mentality. Finally, Nagy realizes that he's got to go for it when uh let me see is it the interception drive yes interception drive bears are up seven to zero they're trying to plant the foot on green bay's neck fourth and one at the bears 49 they go for it they get it great tempo no qb sneak just hand it off to khalil herbert with a passing defense on the field because remember they didn't let green bay sub loved it and then And then, Jacob, like, as soon as I'm thinking maybe Nagy's finally got the aggression thing correctly, it's the second quarter, or it's now the third quarter, right? Bears came out, they got the ball, they were down 10-7, to needed points. Did they get points? You and I know. They didn't, right? Uh, And so then, they they give the ball over to the Packers, who score 10-7 
or now now it's 17-7, right? And Bears get the ball back. They're driving. Need an answer, right? And at the 40-yard line, fourth and seven, they punted. Are you kidding me? This is, I think, the fifth uh surrender index so there's a surrender index on twitter that basically goes through and looks at let's say the weakest punts in football and this is the fifth time at a minimum i've seen Nagy rank in the 95th percentile or higher with this one clocking in at 99.1 percentile absolutely bonkers decision in my opinion that at least if you're gonna go for it on fourth down be consistent about when you are and when you're not when do you trust your offense when don't you trust your offense because punting from the 40 yard line is just wild to me i don't know uh, like i'm seeing some comments about the the defense struggling to finish on drives i think the tr- the most troubling part about talking about this defense jacob is that it was hard to tell whether they did a good job or a bad job because on one hand Aaron Rodgers could take a third and 15 on the freaking goal line and put the ball perfectly into his receiver's hands what are you supposed to do to defend that when your backup nickel corner is trying to play up against I think it was uh Equinamius St. Brown do you remember that play yeah, Where, yeah. I mean Aaron Rodgers can do unthinkable things and nobody knows that better than Bears fans so yeah, the defense yeah the defense allowing an efficient day like what am I gonna do whine about it it's the packers that's what they do to us it's it's so consistent at this point i'm almost not even mad but the offense coming out flat again and the coach being part of it with fourth down decision making seemed let's just say questionable at best Ugh, drives me nuts like if especially if Nagy gets retained which will just drive me bananas i'm gonna i'm gonna lose my mind <laughs> they're 32nd in yards right now like what are we waiting for you know what i mean yeah i mean you and me both i feel like i'm at the point where if Nagy comes back i am gonna be less than pleased i think is the only way i can say that without getting uh without getting in trouble here on this live stream but i i feel like defensively i mean yeah there were some things went well I do think that there were instances where, I mean, the pass rush got to Aaron Rodgers three times. You know, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn both got sacks. Akeem Hicks had a sack as well. Uh, So that's, you know, that's certainly something to be, you know, excited about. And 24 points in the grand scheme of things isn't a ton of points. Aaron Rodgers had a solid game. Uh, Green Bay's run game, like both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon averaged over five yards per carry. They were both very efficient running the football, and they both were able to break away every once in a while. And I think that's something that can definitely improve with this Bears defense. I feel like up the middle, which is surprising because Eddie Goldman's lauded as this, you know, he's a reliable run stuffer up the middle. There were too many times I feel like uh, Green Bay was able to generate push along the interior and just give the running backs a lot of room to work with. And then you get to the second level and your offensive linemen are still there with you because that's how much push you're getting. And it's tough for a defense to stop that when your defensive linemen aren't able to hold their gaps and, you know, plug up those holes. So yep. defensively, I mean, that's not to say that it was a bad game, but combining that with the Packers' strategy of putting Devontae Adams in the slot a lot, they knew J- Jalen Johnson was going to be shadowing him, so try and get Jalen and, you know, the – worst possible situation for him which is putting him in a position he's not comfortable with like Devontae Adams 
you know, only four catches like that, but he's still at 89 yards. Like the catches that he did have, he was able to make an impact. So I will say kudos to Matt LaFleur for that. I do think that was a good strategy. Uh, but sure. I, yeah. That, I mean, just overall, not a bad defensive day, but, you know, definitely some areas they can improve. I think the part that makes me the saddest when talking about the defense, Jacob, is that it wasn't hard to figure out Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, whoever came up with the plan, what they were doing on offense, right? They were just putting their best player in the slot so that Devontae Adams could run literally anywhere, which just makes it hard on defenses, right? Because if you're trying to shade him with Eddie Jackson while manning him up on Jalen Johnson, where does Jackson go? Does he defend the deep crosser or the deep corner or the in or like the in breaking crosser? You get the idea. He could go literally anywhere. And from there, Rodgers and the Packers just played to make sure that they didn't give the ball away. Like it was as if the Packers knew because they've played the Bears so many times that all they had to do was just be smart with the football, slowly grind out the points you're going to get. Because the Bears offense is just not going to put you in the coffin. And so if you give them something to celebrate about, you might put them back in the game. But until then, just hang on to the football for dear life. And they took good care of it. And then there they are, right? Victimizing Jalen Johnson over the middle. Because Devontae Adams could do that to anybody. It's not necessarily Jalen Johnson's fault. They, They victimized Travis Gibson a ton. Oh my gosh. The Bears don't look like they have a second safety. Like, let alone, I know some people want to throw Eddie Jackson out with the bathwater. And you could do that. Go for it. But then you got plays where Eddie Jackson, what is it, is sitting back in cover two. Devontae Adams gets a beautiful cover two hole shot with absolutely nobody on him. And it's like, they just had so many right ideas because they're the Packers. Aaron Rodgers can read a defense extraordinarily well and has so much veteran experience. I don't know. I kind of came away feeling like, sure, the defense could have done better, right? Quinn could have beat his guy and forced a strip sack or something really wild. But they roughed up Rodgers about as often as I would have wanted them to. They defended, from the passing perspective, just enough to hold the Packers to 17 points over the majority of the game. I guess I came away satisfied but not excited. Does that make sense? Yeah, I definitely think that's fair. I think that a decent defensive performance is the best way to describe it. Not great by any means, but certainly not bad, uh, especially considering that, you know, it's the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. But I I do think that the Packers did exactly that. They realized, you know, hold on to the ball, secure it as best as you can. I mean, they ran the ball 31 times and they threw it 23. I mean, that's not including the the three times Aaron Rodgers was sacked, but – Still, you're running the ball more times than you're passing it. That's going to, more often than not, that's going to be more reliable in terms of ball security for you. And it's an old school way of playing, but in all honesty, it might be the best way to beat the Bears because you're going to force them to stretch the field. You're going to force them to pass the ball. And that's not as much of a knock on Justin Fields as it is just the offense as a whole because it just isn't an efficient offense. The play calling uh, even with Bill Lazor, you know, who's an upgrade, in my opinion, over Matt Nagy, he's still not a great play caller. I, I feel like fans just have this high expectation for him because he's not Matt Nagy. That's the only reason. <laughs> and Which, fair, but at the same time, like, you know, you, you got to realize he's not perfect either. And I, I think that the Packers did a very good job of doing exactly that. It wasn't a pretty offensive performance, but – 
Bruce pretty dang efficient. So I, I got to give the Packers that. And defensively, again, not the best game, but not necessarily anything to be too angry about. I mean, Roquan Smith finished with 12 tackles. He was consistent in the run game. Uh, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack both finished with sacks. Uh, but the safeties I do want to touch on because you mentioned that also. Uh, I feel like both Eddie Jackson and Tashawn Gibson, they've they've struggled this year. I'll just say that. And it's definitely disappointing when you consider the fact that, uh, you know, what Eddie Jackson used to be in 2018 and even in 2019, he had a solid year. Uh, some people tend to forget that because he didn't have as many game-changing turnovers, but he was still good that year. But 2020, he fell off this year. It just doesn't look great. I wish the Bears were in a more flexible situation with draft capital and you know money and free agency where they can add another safety because I don't feel like Gibson's the answer there. And he's on a one-year deal, so you're probably going to have to replace him regardless. But it, it, it's just been tough to watch. I think the secondary, you're seeing what you're getting uh, when you don't invest at the position a whole lot. You're going with a cheap safety alongside Eddie Jackson. Uh, two cheap starters alongside Jalen Johnson, who's you know a second-round pick, so I'm not going to discount that considering his price. But you've got a fifth-rounder in Kendall Vilder, a sixth-rounder in Duke Shelley, although uh, Xavier Crawford played uh, most of the snaps this game. But regardless, the point still stands. You're not investing a lot in the secondary, and it doesn't help when your highest-paid player isn't the player he used to be. So. Ugh. It's it's tough, and like kudos to Sean Desai for getting what he's gotten out of this unit because the front seven's been very good and the pass rush has been good. It's just a matter of you know coverage that's been the issue with these guys, and I think that's more of uh, Jimmy's and Joe's more so than X's and O's. Right. I mean, I think at least based on what I have seen, it feels like Sean Desai has gotten as much as he could possibly get out of a defense that's making Alec Ogletree look really good. Kendall Vildor looks solid within this defense. They played Xavier Crawford at nickel today, and I don't think anybody knew he was on the team. He looked <laughs> all right. So yeah. there, there's a lot of this. that I mean, the number one position, you know as well as I do, that is going to look bad when a defense gets beat a couple times is a safety, right? The, the play that really sticks out to me for Gibson as to why he had a poor game is that missed tackle he had on a Rodgers dump off where he had Jones lined up and Jones was still and he couldn't yeah. bring him down ended up leading to a touchdown. But then there's other plays, Jacob, where at least the more film that I watch, they're t like that, I think it was, was it A.J. Dillon run where Gibson was coming downhill towards Dillon? Uh, then I think the running back shook or shaked him, baked him, got right through and picked up another like 20 yards afterwards. Like those. I think that's right. I think that's right, yeah. Those are the kinds of plays safeties never have a shot at. Like, when you show up late to the party against a running back, he's going to toast you. That's what they do, right? Running backs are basically paid for their change of direction. And ugh, there's there's just a whole bunch of this stuff that I look at. I think Desai is doing quite a lot. And it's funny you mentioned Laser, because I think you're right. Most people look at uh, Laser and they're like, well, he's not bad. That's an upgrade. At least yeah. <laughs> our at least our offense is mediocre and it makes sense instead of being flat out bad and also mind boggling. But yeah. I think it's really shining a light a, a light on how the players, for instance, it's wild to think at how little separation the wide receivers were able to get, and you could pin that on offensive line 
because there wasn't enough time for them to get or to get open. You could pin yeah. that on wide receiver talent or wide receiver. I I hate using the F word, but I'll just drop it in the podcast right there and, and run away from it. But like <laughs> you get drops by Demir Bird on wide receiver screens. It feels like whenever you look at that wide angle next to nobody's really open. Allen Robinson, I, I don't know if his head's in it or not sometimes because I remember they showed a third down route where it almost felt as if Allen Robinson just walked off the line and then turned around a little later yeah. than Fields was expecting him to. I don't know, but it does feel like if there's one player, let's get into the final segments here, Jacob. If there's one player that impressed me, I think a little more than I anticipated. I'm going to sound like such a Bears Twitter, just standard fair person. I actually thought Cole Kmet put together a decent game today. Like, I have completely abandoned any hopes of him becoming some magic second round U tight end. You know what I mean? But all he's got to become at this point is a solid blocking Y tight end that's a better receiver than you thought he would be. That's it, right? Catch the balls thrown at you, leak out when you need him to be there, occupy an area of the field and catch the ball. And he pulled down a nice uh, rocket that was a little over his head for like 15 yards on a unnecessary down, leaked up the field for 15 here and there. I don't know. I, I Again, do I think he should have been drafted in the second round? Who cares at this point? No, <laughs> is my on, honest answer. But yeah. the player he is, he still looks like the only tight end on the roster I'd look at and go, that guy's an NFL tight end, which yeah. is a little sad, but <laughs> at least he is, you know? Exactly. Yeah, and I think with Cole Komet, uh, I'm honestly in the same boat with you. I mean – I don't think he's going to be what the Bears drafted him to be. I don't think I don't think he's a U tight end at the next level, and I feel like that's kind of what they're making him out to be. Uh, I simply think he's too clunky to be that. But he had a good game today. He had a good game today. He was reliable and coming down with the ball. Uh, he had one play that he caught the ball just short of the sticks, and I think he fell forward a little bit and pushed to pick up an extra yard or two to get that first down. I mean, that's what. Ultimately, you want out of a guy like Komet. He's a big body. He's, you know, the physical guy who's supposed to be able to, you know, keep his legs churning and pick up an extra yard or two after contact uh, and help out as a run blocker. I mean, are those, again, are those types of tight ends worth second-round picks in today's NFL? I don't think so, but that doesn't mean they're, they can't be solid players. I think Komet can still be a solid player even if he's not – a, uh, even if he's not a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle or a Darren Waller or even like a even like a Mark Andrews or I'm trying to think of someone else who's in that second tier of tight ends that's escaping me at the moment. But you, you get my point, though, that I do think Cole Komet had a good game. Uh, one guy I want to bring up real quick is Khalil Herbert. I was definitely impressed with how he played. Uh, he was the only running back to actually get any carries. He finished with 19 carries. And he, he came away with 97 yards and a touchdown. And there were a handful of plays where I looked at him and I said, okay, he's got some bursts. He's got low pad level. He's got a low center of gravity. He's pretty powerful, like in all honesty, uh, which is weird because he's not the biggest guy in the world. But just how low he's able to get, it allows him to be shifty. It allows him to run with, you know, very good balance. And I, I know we talked about it a little bit. Khalil Herbert in outside zone is a lot of fun to watch because he's got that good burst to be able to uh, 
just go through, you know, go with the flow of the offensive line and then just cut into a, a hole once he sees it. And that's been a lot of fun to watch. I'm hoping that the Bears still involve him at some point in the offense once David Montgomery comes back because I, I think we might have an actual player on our hands in that backfield. Yeah, I'm going to be really curious to see what the Bears do with David Montgomery when he does get healthy again because, again, David Montgomery, obviously – very talented football player, right? Yeah. But as I as I keep watching football, Jacob, the hardest part for me is to determine whether or not this whole let one back be your feature guy so that he can feel out the rhythm of the game, get carries, take hits. But you you know the whole like let one guy be your motor versus yeah. committee. I have no idea which approach is actually better. But I do feel like, especially once you get Damian Williams back, Khalil Herbert's resurgence has or his surge forward might have ended or might have created a too many cooks in the kitchen approach where you can't give all these mouths enough ball. Right. Khalil Herbert today against the Packers. He ran the ball for five point one yards per tote. He was probably one carry away from cracking 100 yards in his first ever start, which doesn't matter. Like in the wide world of offenses that put up, uh, what am I seeing here? About 350 yards on average. I think you'd agree with me. 100 yards is just a piece of the pie. But as a runner, Herbert felt like maybe today's most consistent offensive player. And so do you bench that guy to play David Montgomery? That's a good question, you know? I mean, does this affect your decision to pay David Montgomery going forward? Also a good question. But... I don't know. I'm going to be really interested to see what the Bears do from here, you know? Yeah, and, like, I love David Montgomery. I'll just say that right now. I think he's a top 10 running back in the league. I I certainly don't think he's top five, but I think he's somewhere in that, you know, 8 to 11 range, somewhere around there. He's an above-average starter at the position for sure. And I'm really happy that the Bears have him, especially on a cheap contract like they do. Uh, going forward, though, I don't know exactly what the plan's going to be with him. I mean, is he a talented player? Absolutely. And is he a good? Is he performing well in this offense? Absolutely. But is he worth a guy? Is he a type of guy who's worth paying? You know, over ten million dollars a year for? Which I'm not sure, especially when we see a guy like Khalil Herbert, who's what he's a, a six round rookie you know, playing as well as he did behind that offensive line, which, you know, the offensive line was decent in the run game, not amazing, but, you know, they were certainly better than they were in pass protection. And uh, it's going to make things interesting, absolutely. Once Damien Williams comes back, once Tariq Cohen comes back, if he does. If he does. (laughs) I still don't know where things are with him. Uh, It's certainly going to be interesting down the stretch because – and again, I know it's only been two games where Herbert's had like a substantial role, but he's looked pretty dang good in both of them. So I think that that's something you got to carry on with going forward. Mm-hmm. All right, Jacob, let's get into final thoughts, right? So I'll start off so that you got a time to, or a chance to collect yours as we close up here. The worst part is, and this is now, Jacob, what is this, that we're in week six? This is the fifth week out of six that I have said this, right? Is that the worst part about this loss is that if you'd asked me what this season was going to look like to start off, this was expected. 
You know, yeah. I, I would have looked at this game and said the Bears definitely lose that one. And so with the season working out, we're really the only game that I think I've been legitimately surprised by was the Raiders that when you take a breath and get away from it, we're right where we thought we would be, you know. And so at this point, I would say the final thoughts are I have to remind myself and anybody else listening, we got to take a breath because we aren't even going to finish this season truly knowing what we have in fields. Like yeah. you're looking for top end, you're, you're to, to find the ceiling, you're trying to find the bottom, how bad can it get and avoid getting there. And right now we're still in the middle of the process. I would tell you that from a standard like NFL quarterbacks perspective, this was not a good game. But at the yeah. same time, it's rare to find quarterbacks that have the highs Fields delivered and also the lows that Fields delivered that stick around in the NFL for all too long because either they bring the top down or the bottom up. So, I don't know. I, I find myself looking at this one, and the most optimistic thing I could say about it is that if the Bears go on here, Jacob, to get absolutely annihilated by Tampa Bay, maybe at least that'll make Virginia mad enough to where George McCaskey <laughs> considers making a move at the end of the season. Because I really yeah. don't think that the Matt Nagy era needs to go on for all too much longer. But who knows? This is the Bears. Maybe they do exactly what we don't want them to yet again and play tight at Tampa Bay close. I mean, God forbid they win. They won't win. But uh, you you get the idea. The, the trouble is, is that you take a shower, you wash this one off of you, you take a deep breath, and you remember this is exactly where we thought they would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have to agree with that. And, you know, building off of that, I do think that 3-3 three and three, looking at this record on the schedule that they had honestly i think that was to be expected maybe even two and four when you consider the raiders game right but regardless i mean this is pretty standard and it's just a matter of okay this team's three and three now you know they've got some tough teams ahead so we'll see how they fare with that but are the bears willing to accept mediocrity on a consistent basis because I feel like that's kind of what they've done at least the last three years here under Matt Nagy where they've been complacent with this roster being just okay. Like it's a talented roster and I think that that's why they're still 500 at this point in the season. Like they're not a bad team by any means and the roster construction honestly is pretty good. Uh, there are obviously some holes here and there and you know, I can say a lot about the offensive line and secondary uh, in terms of investment there, which it, they differ, to say the least, from my own personal philosophy. But regardless, there's a lot of talent on this roster, and it's just been mediocre results. So we'll see. This definitely isn't a season where, you know, many of us could go into it saying, all right, I'm expecting the Bears to compete for a legit playoff spot. I'm looking for them to you know, make some noise in the postseason because, quite frankly, that wasn't going to be the case this year. Uh, and anything can happen, and they can end up making the postseason, but realistically, I think that that's not going to happen. I think that you're going to have to take a long look and say, is Matt Nagy really maximizing this team, uh, even with its certain deficiencies? Is this the best we can get? I'm not so sure that it is, and I feel like there are some instances – uh, outside of the players' control that are kind of uh, dictating where the Bears are at right now. Yep. I mean, look, it's not an exact science here, 
but when your offensive average is about 100 yards lower than the Urban Meyer Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel like you got a problem on your hands. And the Jets, for crying out loud. If I sound like I'm sticking to one statistic, it's because it's heinous. Like, I can't believe the Bears are that low in offensive average. And then I stew on it, Jacob, for even a couple minutes ago. No, I I can believe it. So, (laughs) I feel like that's where we're at, right? Just a little frustrated, but also, what is it? Like, next door to accepting of this is the team we have this year. So, (laughs) a lot more games like this ahead. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, R.I.P. Danny Green, because like the chat's saying, the Bears are who we thought they were. (laughs) But thank you so much, Jacob, for jumping on and hanging out. Where can folks find you and your work online? Yeah, absolutely, Robert. I mean, thanks for having me on. Uh, You guys can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24. Uh, That's just my name, uh, 24. I'm sure you guys see at the bottom of the screen there. So. And just do with that, and then I write Bears and NFL draft stuff over at Windy City Gridiron, and I'll also do stuff time to time at the Draft Wire over at USA Today. So that's where you guys can find me. Uh, I got some day-after notes that I'll be cooking up for tomorrow. Uh, not sure how positive it's going to be, but I'll, I'll do my best to make it an enjoyable read. Uh, I'll just do the best I can. Thanks so much for hopping on, Jacob. And Bears fans, that'll do it for this one. Be sure to follow me on Twitter over at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. Run Pass Opinion on YouTube, Windy City Gridiron for articles, and whatever else I can put out. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. (laughs) 